0: Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong, who is, if you hadn't already noticed. Back from leave. And on the phone... <laughs> After four days, like, oh,
1: by the way, he's back on air. Oh,
0: by the way. Um, and on the phone by Jeff Howie, strategic market analyst from the SGX, who saved me last week for Market View Wrap, and who will also be doing the heavy lifting today because that's how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> the SDI. All of this week was pretty mixed. A little bit up, a little bit down. Right now, we are in the red. Down 0.22%. To 3,158 points across the region. It's also a little bit of up and a little bit of down. It's not been as happy a week as we had. Last week, JP.
1: Uh, Clarissa, cue the cha-cha music once again. Um, and as we've seen so far, we've seen it kind of switch between gains and losses. We started off Monday with a loss and then it just alternated between losses and gains, kind of like doing that step back and step forward. And right now we are seeing the SDI taking that step back once again in cadence with that, uh, the, that cha-cha or that it's doing at the moment, down by about five and a half points a day at 3,159 points. Value turnover, a little bit more conservative than we've seen in recent times, about 511 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. But as we've seen on a handful of occasions, despite the blue chips perhaps just taking a step back, we're actually seeing more gators today. Now, the margins favoring the green team is a bit uh, narrow, but there's 237 stocks, REITs and trusts among the second and third liners included that are actually gaining ground, and that's more than the 203 losers so far today. So perhaps the second and third liners just a little bit more cheerful, able to crack a half smile, while the STI decides to just take a, take a little bit of uh, a step back. Now, we have heard from, uh, we did hear from a uh, DBS uh, DBS strategist uh, Yoki Yan a few weeks ago um, that uh, he is expecting the STI to perhaps trade with a sideways pattern over the next couple of months because we're looking for a certain catalyst. Of course, the recent phase two heightened activity um, uh, uh, measures that were instilled about two about two three weeks ago not doing m- m- much favor, m- m- not giving much uh, support at least, or not helping sentiment at all. But so far the STI is just doing the sideways dance at the at least until we find some clear direction. The rest of the region also looking fairly mixed for the most part, um, but we are starting to see uh, sentiments start uh, improve just a little bit. Uh, and uh, the Nikkei 225, though, is losing ground today. They're down by about 0.4%. In sharp contrast, we are seeing that the ASX 200 continues to flow, find more strength. The Sydney benchmark is up by about half a percent and we're just a few days off of Australia revealing better-than-expected GDP figures for the first quarter, boosting the economic sentiment down under and also the Australian dollar in recent sessions. The South Korean Kospi today in the red, though, down by about 0.3%, while the Thai X in Taipei also trading about 0.6% lower. Meanwhile, mainland Chinese markets a bit more cheerful than we've seen them in recent days. The Shanghai Composites trading about 0.7% higher. The Shenzhen Bourse up by about 0.8%. And the Hang Seng just inching higher today, just limping along and uh, limping up to by about 28 points to 28,970, 28,975. Now, it seems to be improving just a little bit as Hong Kong's Friday session gets underway. Of course, markets perhaps just trading a bit more mixed and a bit more cautiously as they await the jobs report out in the U.S. Now, this was the big macro data that global markets were really looking out for. Earlier on today, private payrolls from the ADP actually revealed that there were more pay- private payrolls that were actually created uh, in recent times than what economists were expecting. But unlike recent months, whenever there was a really strong uh, labor or jobs report from the U.S. that did bolster the this, an economic recovery out in the United States, um, stronger labor reports is now also perhaps spurring uh, concerns that th- that a strong labor market, along with high inflation, might actually convince the Federal Reserve to act and maybe even taper some of their monetary stimulus sooner rather than later. And this is something that the that markets will be watching out for. Of course, uh, a lot will be riding on that r- data release, at least from the U.S. And it's keeping markets a bit uh, trading a bit more cautiously. But again, no big no big wins. No big losses. And as we mentioned, despite the fact that the SEI is in the red today, it's really just down by just about six points. Really nothing, nothing to really write home about with regards to the blue chips here. Just taking off maybe a half step back and maybe just leading a bit further back into their
0: seats. Jeff, we bring you into the conversation. Um, we did get some numbers earlier this week. The Singapore PMI didn't look too bad, a little bit down from the previous reporting, but it still looks pretty good.
2: Yeah, the, the, we're still in expansion territory in in our manufacturing sector, uh, 11 months continuous and I think March had been uh, a re, uh, you know, at least a, a something like a 20 or a 28 month record um, and, and that's manufacturing of course has been uh, a strong part of the economy as has wholesale trade, as has financial services and all of those uh, strengths if you will in our local economy have very much echoed into stock market performances in Singapore and uh, I guess the data continues we have had uh, the Singapore April retail sales just uh, released about 20 minutes ago and that showed uh, strong expanding um, 39% up year year on year but that of course is given the very low basing with last year's circuit breaker measures so on the month it's down marginally 1% from March levels so Yeah, prior to these uh, announcements of those heightened measures back on the 14th of May, our retail shopping, I guess, looking not so much at the numbers, but looking at what the REITs have been saying, gauging it through REIT tenant sales and so forth, they had seen continued upward momentum. I think for the first three months of this year, Maple Tree Commercial Trust had seen uh, its Vivo City tenant sales recover to 86% of the pre Covid uh, levels of the 2019 pre-Covid levels. Fraser Centrepoint Tenant um, Trust, Fraser sorry, Fraser Center Point Trust had seen its tenant sales uh, register positive year-on-year growth in both January and February this year. And I think for the first three months of this year, Starhill Global REIT it had seen tenant sales at Wisma Ast- Atria it had uh, improved to something like 83% of pre-circuit breaker levels. So. Um, it's shopper traffic I think had improved to seventy four percent so that we were making some uh, obviously some 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 good momentum there, but some moderation in the recent momentum is expected, and hence the uh, the eight hundred million dollar support package which of course assists retailers among the other shop fronts.
1: Yeah. You know, what was interesting, though, also, Jeff, is that despite the fact that we saw those PMI numbers in May actually come down a little bit, that expansion happened during the month of May when in the second half of last month, that's when these heightened measures were actually introduced. And there were a lot of question marks about what it would actually do to economic activity. Would it actually blunt the momentum? Would we see a, a, a significant impact at least to economic activity and output here in Singapore? But based on that, despite... Some of those question marks raised by the by the new social restrictions. It seems that manufacturing, at least here, looked sturdy enough to even mount that gain. So that gain actually looking quite impressive when you think about some of the challenges that the social curbs have had, have enacted at least on overall economic output, at least for the manufacturing sector.
2: Yeah, well, look, the manufacturing sector it's very much intertwined across the region with uh, um, these these very strong supply chains, and if you also got to remember that. Uh, two-thirds of the world's industrial robots are out here in Asia. Mm-hmm. So this this very much, uh, the performance of the sector very much depends on international factors as well. And, and while we introduced our heightened measures in the last two weeks of May, the last two weeks of May globally saw um, some really good strides made in the fight against COVID-19. We had um, record uh, daily uh, global COVID-19 vaccine doses administered on the 17th of May, the 18th of May, 20th of May, 25th of May. 25th of May saw 40 million uh, vaccines administered in one single day across the globe. And importantly, for the month of May we had the world saw 50% more vaccines administered than we did in the month of April. And at the same time, the seven-day rolling average of daily global new confirmed cases has declined to below 500,000 a day, and that's down from more than 800,000 at the end of April. These kind of global numbers, they really do matter. I'd kind of bring you up on what you said before, JP, you said we've got the US payrolls tonight, I think 8.30 tonight, so the US is expected to report somewhere between 650,000, 700,000 new jobs added in May. Now, that will follow April's numbers underwhelming, I think around 250,000 jobs were added, um, and then that follows on from a million jobs the month before, which then was revised down to something like 550,000 jobs added. So the recent string of these U.S. job reports are quite volatile. And although, as as you said, it is watched very closely, um, you've got to remember um, that line of questioning at the last uh, FOMC press conference. That last line of questioning at the last press conference mm-hmm. the the fed chair he did reiterate that the fed would continue asset purchases at the current pace until the fed sees substantial further progress and he did qualify that while the economy was reopening and that they had had a really nice job report for march which they thought at that time was one million jobs at the moment um both march and april is less than one million um he did mention it did not constitute substantial further progress. So uh, we need to see a lot more in the US before the Fed at least do get serious about talking about that tapering. And that's the signalling, I think, that the the Fed chair does want to get across.
0: Speaking of signalling, let's come back to Singapore. Now, you were talking about the COVID-19 vaccination numbers, infection numbers. One of the things that we're also noticing here in media is that the government's position seems to be changing. We're not talking about pandemic anymore. We're talking about living with this COVID-19 as endemic, which changes the language, which changes the attitudes, and might change how we open and close our economy or our well business as we go along. How is this going to feed into the second half of sentiment for the year? Yeah, JP. Right. <laughs> Where are you? No, i right here. Well, it is your show.
1: Look, I think I think it's just a question of uh, a baby just adjusting to the new to what, and we've used this term ad infinitive, and perhaps beaten it beating it like a dead horse. I mean, uh, you know, this this idea of a new normal me- means that we might have to live with this particular disease. But I think um, was, there might be more confidence, perhaps, to be more flexible towards uh, having this disease in your environment, at least until you actually tame it. If the vaccinations actually rise, I think one of the Big questions now also is how effective are the vaccines going to be to some of these new mutations and these new variants moving forward? Will it be able to prevent the spread of uh, of, uh, of diseases? Um, and is, and will it also be uh, you know is is the goal now so much as just making sure that the hospital the hospitalization rates and more and mortality rates actually come down as, with relation to COVID nineteen? Perhaps we can't eradicate the virus overnight or with with one fails with with the next series of vaccines, but if we can turn it into a more manageable version of the flu or the cold. Maybe that's something that folks can actually live with and we actually resume uh, travel with. I think it's also a, a realization that if you, if uh, that perhaps zero COVID. Uh, Zero COVID case policies might not be sustainable in the long term, and that vaccinations and really opening up and figuring out a way to manage or contain spreads in a more uh, tolerable manner might be the the right policy moving forward. And if so, yeah. maybe more economic activity can actually be allowed in bits and pieces.
2: I think the key reading between the lines there. I think the key word is patience. You know, we, we do have to uh, we have to see this through. You know, we have moved incredibly from. Key word to deal with this was was vaccine efficacy, Remember mm-hmm. at the beginning of november mm-hmm. now we 're talking um, uh, about herd immunity you know so so we are the the dialogue is moving in the right direction, but nonetheless it's the resurgences are still there regional we 're still seeing um, for instance in malaysia you 're seeing uh, the resurgence of the Malaysian cases. But at the same time, we're seeing a big decline in the cases in the Philippines, which the Philippines had had the the growth earlier. So so lo and behold, we're seeing the measured move still in the stock market, Clarissa, in the fact... Looking at the um, the first the second quarter to date, you've got Malaysia, the weakest performer across Southeast Asia, but albeit still um, generating a marginal gain. Yet the Philippines, which has seen the the their cases move in the opposite direction to Malaysia, has actually led the ASEAN markets in the second quarter to date. I think with six percent gains thereabouts. But in the meantime, the the companies that are facing these challenges, as you know, that they are reviewing operations, they're pursuing restructures, they're they're looking actively acquisitions or divestments and obviously attempting to transform product lines and services over the next 12 months. So while we are playing a longer game, you've got a nice balance, I guess, of macroeconomic data where we are continuing to look looking for sequential economic recovery, sequential um, upgrades in earnings and so forth. And at the same time, you've got a micro lens that you can take to the stocks who are pursuing those, as we said, those restructures and and reviews. And that's very much, I think, really embedded in what we're seeing in the flows in the in the stock market at the moment because if you look at those companies that since the 14th of may for instance that have attracted the highest net institutional the highest net proprietary inflows it's been dbs ocbc singapore airlines uob uh, as well nanofilm technology sbh IFAS, semcorp industries which we're going to be celebrating a year since their uh, big restructure was announced uh, last year Next week, we will be celebrating that. And you've got capital land there as well. Um, So that somewhat exemplifies the mix in the macro lens and the micro lens that investors are taking to our market at the moment amidst these challenges.
0: All right. So what are we looking forward to next week, gentlemen?
2: Go ahead, Jeff. Top glove. (laughs) (laughs) It reports its third quarter earnings uh, for that quarter ending 31st of May on Wednesday, the 9th of June. I'm not sure what time they will announce, but uh, if you looked at their second quarter and first half FY21 numbers, they actually announced it during the lunch break. So um, back in the second quarter, the company, it did record its highest ever quarterly sales revenue and its profit after tax for that quarter surged something like 24 times, which exceeded the group's whole profit for its Full year um, in twenty, you know, its full financial 2020 year. Um, since the stock reported on the ninth of March, its second quarter numbers through to now, its share price has declined around three percent. So I think it's trading around a dollar sixty at the moment in Singapore dollars, and its 12-month consensus target price it was lowered a little bit too um, from two dollars seventy-three to two dollars oh nine after those numbers. But look, rubber glove manufacturer distributors—they haven't generally been. They have generally been pretty mixed this 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 year, They're consolidating on those exponential gains we saw last year. Um, top Glove is a top 50 stock by turnover here. It's generated a 16% decline in total return in the year to date, but it does follow a 300% return in 2020. And that mixed moves across the rubber glove manufacturers and distributors has been seen um, so far this year. I think the Hartallega Holdings um, has decline something like 28% um, in KL. And then you've got UG Healthcare up uh, 12% and Riverstone Holdings leading them up 33%. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So that is next week. We'll definitely be keeping an eye out on Top Gloves results. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with finance presenter JP Ong and joined on the phone by Jeff Howey, strategic market analyst at the SGX, this has been Market View wrap on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.